Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you so much for joining us. A massive show coming your way. John Bauer, the legend, to talk to us very soon. We'll also speak to Tim Macro, Mark Walker and Richard Kyle as well on the show. But let's kick off our episode this week with Formula One news as we say day to Dale Rogers. G'day Tony. Round three of the FIA World Formula One Championship takes place in Portugal this weekend at the beautiful Portimao track. We went there in October in 2020 for the first time as COVID delivered up some very new and interesting circuits. The circuit had just been surfaced uh, when the cars arrived there and they were faced with a sensational layout but absolutely a no-grip circuit. So hopefully that has changed a little bit in the racing that's occurred between October and now. A lot of news uh, coming to hand this week, Tony, uh, in particular that we are going to have a qualifying sprint race on Saturday. 100-kilometre race, 20 to 35, 25 to 30 minutes, no pit stop. Uh, points will be awarded for first, second and third, uh, no podium. But the results of that race will set the grid for Sunday's race. Uh, it will be held at three races this week, this year, um, at uh, Portugal, Silverstone and Monza as a trial. So really interesting to see. Uh, it'll be a flat-out race, but I guess the question is going to be if you're sitting in fourth place, are you really going to try and do a dive down the inside to pick up one space on the grid? Hard to know. Certainly, I think in the midfield and the back of the field, we should see some good action. But look, it's a good initiative and it's one that we really should be uh, applauding that F1 are uh, having a crack at things. Um, in 2020, um, one of the highlights, of course, was Kimi Raikkonen, who uh, passed six cars in the first lap. Uh, it be interesting to see if he can do that again from no doubt down the back. But Hamilton was a clear winner last year. He won by over 25 seconds from teammate Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Max was a further 10 seconds back in the Red Bull Honda. Interestingly, uh, only four cars finished on the lead lap, so we're really hoping that the uh, the, the, the race in 2021 is a very different kettle of fish. Um, the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen is at full noise. One point separating the two drivers after two rounds, 44 to Hamilton, 33 to uh, Max, and Lando Norris in third place now with 27 points. So... Uh, we're expecting this battle to continue all year uh, and uh, we've got a couple of interlopers that no doubt will play a role. Uh, Sergio Perez really needs to get his season into gear. He's languishing in eighth place with 10 points after a couple of fraught races, showing some great speed but not the consistency. Uh, Norris is probably the, the spoiler in the pack, as is Charles Leclerc, who drove brilliantly uh, last week uh, in the last event at Emola. Uh, uh, um, Bottas, pretty interesting season to date. Uh, a big crash, obviously, at uh, Imola. And just seems to be a bit out of sorts. He's sitting in fifth place. And our own Daniel Ricciardo uh, needs to 
probably pick up the pace a bit and, and just try and close that gap to Norris. He certainly uh, is driving well. He's finding his way in the McLaren early days, two races in. He's sitting in seventh place in the championship and uh, and lo- still looking very, very strong. Uh, of the others, I think uh, Alpha Tauri could be a, a very, very strong package here. If the Red Bull continues its form, Alpha Tauri, in, in effectively their junior team or their second team, uh, has shown great speed and expect them to be up there as well. So we're hoping that the field is is not only four cars on the lead lap at the end of uh, of Sunday night um, in Australia, but uh, uh, when watching. But Portugal uh, is it's a stunning lad, and it's one of the one of the newer circuits that hasn't been, uh, I think, you know, decimated by these uh, circuits we see in the Middle East and around the world. So looking forward to it, Tony. I think it's going to be a cracker of an event, and let's just hope that the Hamilton Verstappen show continues on. We'll be back next week to wrap up what did happen uh, at the Portuguese Grand Prix in Portimao. Back to you, Tony, in the studio. As always, we say good day to Richard Crail off the top of the show from the racetalk.com. Hello, Crailsy. Hello, Shebexter. How are you? Fantastic, buddy. A massive weekend coming oh, up of huge. racing at Sydney Motorsport Park. Huge. It's enormous. Uh, if you're not in Sydney, live and free on the screens of seven across the course of the weekend, some of the best racing you'll see this year. TCR is looking strong. Uh, grand finale of the Australian Drivers' Championship. We get to present the Gold Star again, which I'm... Very excited about uh, Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge there with a big field. 30 Trans Ams, Shebex. Amazing. We'll talk more about that later on. And a category that I love dearly and have been involved in for a long time and enjoy calling it immensely, the Gulf Western Oil Touring Car Masters, which, Tony, leads us to our first guest. Yes, uh, a category we love dearly and a man that we love dearly as well. He's done so well in this category over the past years. John Bow joins us. Hello, JB. Uh, hello, guys. Yes, it's nice. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I watch it with interest, of course, and it's nice to see in the background all this motorsport stuff, both your, obviously, your houses or your offices or something. At least I'm not the only one that fills my house up with stuff. No, it's got to sit somewhere, doesn't it? it, it exactly, does. yeah. I, I was wondering if I was going to, you know, when I die, what happens to it all? I mean, I'd probably go to the tip. That's the worry, isn't it? I would have thought so. I would imagine. <laughs> I hope not. I would imagine you would have a treasure trove, JB, in your house of uh, paraphernalia. Surely, I call it a uh, rich. I call it a mini shrine. Look at that. So there's a uh, few <laughs> bits and bits and pieces, but I've got a, a garage that's full of stuff, boxes and boxes of stuff. So, you know, what is you? What is your most prized possession? Uh, well, I don't actually think about it that much, but now you've asked me, probably Bathurst 1000 trophies. Yeah. Yeah, that, that and uh, maybe the Bathurst 12 hour, you know. I mean, anything Bathurst is, is usually a memorable moment, you know, whether it be for good or for bad. So, Are, are you uh, generally a, a collector? I mean, your walls are filled with prints, obviously, but do you, you find yourself collecting race suits and... T-shirts no. and things like that? No, no, no. No, I'm not a... I wouldn't say I'm a collector. I've got a couple of pictures here of other than myself. Uh-huh. I've got a picture of Jim Jimmy Clark, who yep. was my childhood hero, and a picture of Sterling Moss, who I admired greatly because he retired from racing in 1962 and continued to make a living out of it. That was always... I was in, in awe of that fact. Uh, and the rest just my own stuff, you know, but... I've got lots of it. Lot, lot, I, you know, I mean, I don't want to talk about it really, but I've got lots, lots, <laughs> yeah. lots of it. I, a lot of driving sets I gave away over the years because I gave them away to charities, to yep. auctions and things. I've still got quite a few, but 
I had a guy uh, text me a couple of days ago, wanted to buy a race suit. And I said, oh, which one do you want? And he goes, well, I'd like a shell one. And I said, I've only got one shell one. I, I actually gave the others away over the years for charity. I'm not sure I really want to sell that one. Yeah. Thinking that he might offer me a lot more money, but he didn't. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a good point you bring up, JB. You're talking about being in awe of people. If if someone was to come up, who would be the person that would make you weak at the knees as as a hero that would come up to you now and speak to you? Who is there someone that you would still be very starstruck about? Um uh, not many, obviously, but um I was always you know, so impressed with Elaine Prost as a driver and, a, and as a person. So, yeah, I'd probably, you know, I suppose it wouldn't be that hard to meet him if you went to a Grand Prix, but yeah, it's just someone that I met at when he raced at Calder Park years and years and years ago. And he was just a great little bloke, an amazing driver. In fact, the most impressive driver that I've ever seen ever in my life. Wow. Yeah, so... Amazing. I'm going to have a drink from my Peter Mack. I'm giving a free plug there. Oh, Peter okay. Cancer Clinic. No need to give it a free plug. We'll give that a plug very we'll shortly. Come, I'm come sure. to that in a minute. Did you yeah. race? Did you race Prost in the AGP at Calder? Uh, yes, I did. Um, just like everybody else, he made us look stupid. <laughs> the were, I was I was doing some research on those races <laughs> not not too long ago as part of my efforts to catalogue the Gold Stars history, and, and they were part of the championship. In, in those early 80s eras and they were incredible races some of the drivers that came down and ran in those fields predominantly rolled rt4s but you get those um the formula one cars pop up every now and then as well they were phenomenal races that bob well you got to give on. give credit to uh, yeah the late bob jane i mean he created all that he spent the money he did all the promotion i mean at the time we just went and thought how good is this you know we get to race against these guys but mm. he bought you know half a dozen uh, Formula One drivers each year down here, and uh, they wouldn't have been FOC. So good, good luck to him, and it, it created such a, you know, an interest from everybody at the time in open wheel racing, which you know has never been the biggest thing in Australia. But hopefully, the S five thousand is going to change that because they're, you know, I'm a great believer in S five thousand, and I think a lot of people are coming around to that view. Yeah, well, I want to pick your brains about that a little bit later on. I've, I've found the results. 1982 Australian Grand Prix, uh, Alan Prost on pole at a 39-1. Yeah. She was a short old lad. Uh, <laughs> he qualified fourth, mm-hmm. so just behind Alfie Costanzo, fractions yeah. behind. You're less than half a second from pole. Uh, what happened in the race? He was seventh behind. So Prost, Lafitte, Marino, one, two, three. Uh, and then David McMillan, Alfie Costanzo, Andrew Medici just in front of you, and you in seventh. So things didn't quite go as well. No, I didn't. I can't remember what happened, Rich, to be honest. But after 1,190 races, I suppose I'm probably (laughs) forgiven. (laughs) Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, Obvious question. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad. Today, I'm not too bad. I'm a bit of a daily prospect. Yesterday, I was crappy. Um, I had a double whammy a bit, which you may or may not know about. I had the... I was recovering from the cancer treatment, which is radi- radiation, which, you know, it makes you very weary and a bit sore. Mm. And then I got an infection, which was like a super bug. I, I'm not mean, I don't mean the Volkswagen of the early 70s. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's some sort of germ that, you know, most antibiotics would not touch or, uh, or 
kill. So mm. I went in back into hospital and they gave me, you know, IVs and things and eventually started to tame it down. And now I've been home with a, with a special antibiotic that, that they target this particular bug with. So I think I'm, you know, on the mend again and um, hopefully I'm able to race. I think I probably will be able to. I've done it before when I haven't felt 100%. So, you know, I, I wouldn't miss a race meeting if I had one leg hanging off. So, I was going to ask you, JB, how much of a medicine has racing this year been for you? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, you know, last year, it's, it's more fantastic because of last year, but, you know, I've really enjoyed the racing I've done so far this year. I've done uh, the three TCM races, including the Invitational one at Baskerville, which was great fun. Uh, and I've done two in my friend Joe Collegia's historic cars. So this will be my, uh, what will it be, my sixth race meeting for the year. And we're only in April. Mm. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd, you know, I'd race every weekend if I could. I know it's not possible. Mostly for financial reasons, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I you know I love it. I love racing people. I mean, it was so interesting to go to the first meeting we did at uh, Bathurst, you know, and everybody was I don't know, just nice to see everyone again. You know, we hadn't seen anyone for a while, mm. so it was just good, really good. Yeah, uh, were you? Surprised probably isn't the right word because you've had a great fan base for a long time. But were you, did you take in the number of people that came up and said g'day? And, and I bumped into you one afternoon and you were flat out signing autographs, some cool old DJR memorabilia, Tirana posters of the, the current car. I mean, that, that must warm your heart when people still come up and they're chasing autographs and, and just want to come up and have a chat. And, and a lot of it I've noticed is just to see how you're going. Yes, it is, and it's been very touching. And also, the social media response has been amazing. Uh, I I was quite public with it because I thought it was a great opportunity to get blokes to, you know, go and get checked, which is a very simple, easy thing to do to get a PSA check with a little blood test. Mm. And the, the response, and then the response of when I went back into hospital. I mean, it's been overwhelming, really. It's just and so nice. Not a negative thing ever. Lots of advice, lots of good wishes. Um, and from most cases, you know, everyday folk that just follow motorsport, you don't realise until something like this happens how many people follow it. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually very big sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, JB, I think the great thing about what you've done in the last few months is the fact that you've been on the front foot about it and you've been out there and you're talking about it and you're sort of becoming a bit of an ambassador for it in the last few months. And that's probably just broken down the wall for a lot of people because I, I know when people have an illness, it really is hard to go up there and talk to them about it. But I, I believe that because you've been so upfront, people have probably thought, well, he's happy to talk. I'll go up and say good day. And that's a great thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's not that something that I actually, you know, thought about in any way, but I, I, I you know, I lived through my late friend, Jason Richards illness, and he was very much, you know, on the front foot and, talked about it so I guess I learned something from him it's just like I learned a lot of things from Dick Johnson and you know you learn through your life from other people's behavior so I would say he was a factor in all this but um yeah I've been very very touched and and, and truly gratified for with the response I mean I was never a great fan of social media but my mate Hamo talked me into it and 
I think now, gee, how good is it? You know, as long yeah. as you use it for good and not evil. Yeah, which is yeah. you can use it for evil. I might shock you there, but you can. Yes, yeah, not a not a surprise. Uh, unlike <laughs> Hamo to talk anyone into anything, is it though? Definitely yeah, no, that's a car true. salesman, isn't he? I think um, bludgeoned is probably more the words. <laughs> I I think it's been really impressive, JB, as well. I mean, in the last twenty four months, obviously yourself, Ryan Hansford, in twenty nineteen had had the testicular cancer scare, uh, and Tom Randall more recently, yeah, yeah. And, and it. Yeah. And all three of you guys have been so open and willing to chat about it and, and make it a point of telling motor racing fans to to look after themselves. And I think especially the men amongst us often are hesitant to do that. So I, I think that's been brilliant. Uh, let's yeah, talk about you. let's talk about car racing. Um, can you yeah. believe you're leading the TCM championship going into round three of the series? Because you yeah, are, well, mate. You are in front. That's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Um, I didn't expect to be. Uh, and to be honest, I, I'm... You know, I wouldn't bet on myself winning. I mean, we we do the best we can with that car. It's a great little car, but it, it's uh, it was built in 2014, and you know things have changed since 2014 with regards to rules and things. So, uh, you know, I I was very sad to see Adam Garwood pull a pin, to be honest, because I think you know he was the form pace of the year and a really good little driver. You know, uh, it's easy. To, to say that I was very close to him on the track in a number of occasions and he he's the real deal. So I think it's I, – I would like to see him drive in Trans Am or something where he can yeah. drive against contemporary young guys. But he was most impressive and I, and I find it you know, sad for the category really that he's gone. I mean, it's great to have Bresso back. He's a terrific competitor. But Adam was a youngster with a future, you know, and uh, – yeah, but anyway, back to me, uh, as Brad Jones taught me to say. <laughs> uh, the Leading the championship's great. And, I mean, you know, you can't be, do any better than leading the championship. And we're going to Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park, as they call it. Whether or not I'm 100% on the ball or not will remain to be seen. If I'm not, well, I blame it on cancer. Otherwise... Uh-huh. Uh, I'll go and do my best. Yeah, it's not a bad excuse, really. You don't want to default to it, but uh, as far as excuses go, that's a um, that's a big one. Uh, and you, <laughs> you you brought up S five thousand before as well, JB. And and I know you're an open wheel guy from a long time back. You're a, a multiple gold star champion. Just talk to the significance of that award and the fact that it's come back so strongly this year with a great group of younger drivers like your Joey Mawson's, Tom Randall, even Tim Macro, Nathan Hearn. Yeah that have put on such a good show in really hard to drive fast. Yeah, James races. Golding as well, mate. He's yep. a great yeah, yeah. little driver. You know, I mean, the, I grew up in open wheels. My, my dad was an open wheeler lover and his good friend, John McCormack, was a very, obviously a very successful open wheel driver. And this, this has been in the making for a very long time through various people and the various people... If I mention them all, I'll forget somebody and then I'll, you know, be given the, the don't come Monday sign. But um, the the amount of work that's gone on to create this category, to get it organised, to, to get a car, to find a car, to develop an engine, to create a category within, you know, the Australian motorsport uh, realm uh, is has been huge. And now to see it, in reality, it was put off last year, unfortunately. 
but to see the cars in reality in reality and to see the young guys it's a young guys category i think which is terrific which is what it should be and i personally think they're the right blend of they're not mega downforce cars they have got quite good downforce by comparison to a to say a you know a tcm car or something but yeah compared to formula one or or uh you know overseas categories they don't have as much downforce consequently they're difficult to drive and you've really got to be on it and these guys at the front of the field are really on it they've got great overseas potential whether they can ever execute that because of the money involved but this is you know this is the best thing that's happened to to motor racing and single seater racing in australia for you know 40 years i reckon personally mm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and we saw the potential of these cars at Phillip Island earlier in the year. We definitely will get to see the potential of these cars at Sydney Motorsport Park as well. That Those big, expansive straights. And it's just, it's a track that's just going to suit these cars so well, or suit the absolute maximum potential of these cars so well. Yes. And they, you know, as I, I'll reiterate, because I drove Formula 5000 back in the day and they were difficult to drive and these cars from my understanding and my you know observation are tricky and difficult and hard work to get the best out of and you know i think it's terrific like if you can get do well in this category you are a very very good driver as we've seen at this young guys and uh hopefully i mean i know joey and uh oh tom who else Tom has been overseas. They've been overseas before, but mm. unfortunately run out of funding, you know, so hope, hope it will kickstart their, their career again. You know, there's actually, she's pretty tight at the front. And I, Richard, the young, um, what's his name? Nathan Hearn mm. is, is really like, he's never driven an open wheel before. So you got to say he's done a great job. Yeah, he's he's been spectacular. Uh, just very quickly, mate, uh, why haven't you had a drive of one yet? Well, I actually drove one at uh, Newcastle, the last race we did at Newcastle, but only a demo, and it was the prototype car, and it was it had a few little issues that I didn't quite like about it. But cr- full credit to GRM, to Gary and Barry Rogers, for taking it on board, for developing and building all the extra cars, re-engineering parts of them, so that they're, uh, you know, uh, more suitable. Uh, yeah, so I, and, and I haven't, I've got no real interest in driving one competitively because it's a young man's car, you know, and despite the fact that I think I'm 30, I know I'm not 30. <laughs> I think we need to dust off one of your old F5000s and have a day where you drive <laughs> that and then back to back it with one of the new cars and see what that's like. Yeah, um, maybe. I drove, uh, my friend Joe Collegius had a little, 70s formula one car for, for yes. several years and i drove that quite a lot and i thought this is about as fast as i want to go really to be honest so you know i think i'm, I'm probably lost in the in the past not the future no i don't know mate. I, think, I think you're as current as ever um good luck for this weekend go well in the mighty tirana in touring car masters look forward to calling that it's going to be great racing i think and look forward to seeing you at another yeah. racetrack jb it's a great great track Sydney Motorsport Park, I reckon. It's, it has good racing. It's quite challenging. Not easy for car setup. Not easy for tyre life. You know, it's, it's a really good place. And uh, I've always liked it since it started, even though some people used to bag it. But I reckon it's a great place. Yeah, it is a great place. 
And, mate, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. All the best for the remainder of the year, buddy. And uh, we'll catch up again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, uh, thanks, Rich. I'll see you on uh, Thursday. Can't wait, mate. Should be good. Right on, Bauer joining us here on The Grid. Uh, let's talk some S5000, the category that's just excited everybody in 2021. Oh, it has, Shebex. It's been awesome fun to call. Great racing. Started off really competitively in Tassie. Phillip Island was great. And we just heard about John Bauer talking about those cars and the show that they've put on. And then we had a crazy, crazy weekend at Sandown where everything happened in a very short space of time. Mm-hmm. But the net result is that mathematically there's six drivers in contention for the gold star this year, three of them realistically. uh, And one of them already a two-time gold star champion joins us on the other end of the line. His name is Tim Macro and he's third in the championship going into the final round of S5000. Welcome back to the show, Tim. Hey guys. How are we? Yeah, we're fantastic, mate. Thank you. Congratulations on the year so far. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Could you? No, it's been fantastic. Like, um, just for not only for me, but for the team, um, you know, I've only really been running a team flat out for the last year or two. So to really sort of get that off the ground and be really competitive with the bigger teams like uh, GRM and BRM, it's been really rewarding. But from a driving point of view as well, I'm, I'm absolutely wrapped to be, you know, mixing it with these young blokes and uh, everything's going really well. So we're looking for a big, big last round. It's actually funny you bring that up, JB just when we were talking to him just before mentioned it is a young guy's category. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, it it is to a point. Um, I like to think I'm young at heart, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, it it is. Um, They're physical cars. You've got to be super fit to drive them Um, from that side of things. It does make it a bit of a younger man's game, but I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my late thirties and still um, doing okay. So, you know, hopefully, you know, people can drive these things all the way up to where they're 40. So but I don't see it as a problem. There's, there's going to be a good mix of uh, young guys and experienced guys like myself. Mate, the two of the best drivers in IndyCar racing right now are in their 40s, Scott Dixon and Will Power. Will's just got they a are. contract extension. So oh, I think you're <laughs> all right for a few more years yet, my friend. You'll be all yeah. good. Um, let, let's do a bit of a, a strengths and weaknesses of your year so far. Racecraft has been great. And it's the Tim Macro of old elbows out, drive the thing sideways hang it out, have a big crack, and it, it's really paid off. Would you agree that qualifying's perhaps been the weak point for you this year, though? Yeah, it probably has. Like, um, Tasmania didn't go our way. We got caught out. Um, and it was probably, I flat-spotted a tyre, and then it was a red flag, and it was kind of a bit of a whole bunch of things. But uh, Phillip Island was actually really good. Like, mm-hmm. we're on the front row at the island. But then we were quite weak at Sandown, which we were actually quite surprised about. We've found a couple of little things with the car that we probably could have done better over the Sandown weekend, but as you guys know, Sandown was an absolute lottery. And I mean, you know, until I got turned in race two, you know, we were right up front. So, you know, it, that sort of didn't go our way. But yeah, definitely qualifying is something we need to work on, uh, both personally and both really getting the car to, you know, fire up in quality. Do you give away a bit because BRM's got two, three quick cars now with young Kiwi, Caleb Natoa running as well. Do, do you give up a bit the fact you're a single car outfit? It definitely helps to have extra data, 100%. You know, you can really compare yourself with, and especially when you've got like two good guys and now three really good guys mm. in the one team, you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. 
Um, and you can really improve yourself in that matter and see where you need to be. So it definitely does help. And, you know, if for later in the year, um, when we run in the second championship, my plan is definitely to run two cars and I would really like to get a, a really good young guy or girl in with me, um, teaming up with me. So, you know, that's always the plan and it's definitely a big help. In regards to the category itself, uh, Tim, an affordable category for guys to get involved with? You know, motorsport's not cheap, and not in any, no, in no, any uh, way, shape or form. Um, but but powerful open wheelers can be the most expensive, can't they? They can be. It's definitely not as expensive as doing Carrera Cup or doing Dunlop Super 2 and definitely not as expensive as doing overseas, um, say, regional Formula 3 or any of that sort of stuff. So if you're comparing it with those categories, which I suppose are relative, it is, it is cheaper than those categories. And I suppose that's what I was getting to, and the fact that because it is cheaper than having to go overseas, it allows our kids to stay at home, drive in a excellent category, and hopefully get their experience that way instead of having to leave home. Yeah, and you know, uh, I'm I'm trying to get up and running a bit of a development program for younger guys and girls through Formula Three and the AMRS, but there is a hole there, you know, in Australian motorsport for big, good open wheel category. And, you know, I think it would be really nice, especially in this day and age with the pandemic, it's much harder to travel and it's going to be like that for another year or two. If they can stay home and get the experience at home, um, it's more cost effective. Um, and, you know, it helps the local scene. There's a lot of kids are just getting up and going straight to Europe um, because there's nothing really here for them to run, say, after Formula Ford or after Australian Formula 3. So, yeah, no, it can be good. Well, and, and there's a couple of drivers on that pathway now, and, and Hunter McElray would probably be one of those that, that could have raced bigger open wheelers here, but elected to go straight into the system in the States and doing a great job. But yeah, maybe an opportunity lost for, for the sport here. The, the thing that gets me as well, mate, is that these cars translate a little bit to touring cars as well. So you could probably split after doing S5000. And if you wanted to jump into a supercar or something big and heavy, you could do that because they've got they're not over a burdened with downforce like an F2 car or Indy light. So they've still got that sort of low grip approach to racing as well as being incredibly rapid. Absolutely. They've got a lot of, a lot in common with a touring car. So they're, you know, they're, they're a bit big. They're a bit heavier than a normal open wheeler. Um, you've got to trail break them a little bit like a, like a supercar and they're a bit point and squirt as well. So they do translate into that. So whichever path you really want to take, you know, this category can give you a good grounding. Well, of your racing in the past few years, mate, has been not just here on our shores, but overseas. COVID, of course, has curtailed a fair bit of that. You're starting to get a little bit of a, an itch. You're starting to get a little bit nervous about not <laughs> staying at home. You know, it was it was really... I've had a lot of bad timing over my career, I reckon, because, um, believe it or not, we had a 12-race um, Asian GT Championship lined up for 2020, uh, as well as doing this. So it was going to be a fantastic year. So... Yeah, I really do miss going to Asia. I spent nearly three years over there in LMP cars and doing some GT racing, and it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it was actually a paid racing driver, which was, um, you know, a bit different. <laughs> different yeah. um, so that was disappointing. But being home and being able to do this is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the category is is going, just going to go on leaps and bounds for, for the years to come. And hopefully I can get back over there at some point. That'd be great. 
Oh, it, it'll open up again, I'm sure. Um, I just wanted to touch about the Gold Star, mate, and you've won two of them already in your, your Formula 3 career in 07 and 13, that last one with BRM, ironically. So you're now trying to knock them off for a third one. Richard, just before you get Tim's thoughts on the Gold Star, can you just explain to those who may be listening who aren't familiar with the Gold Star what it actually... Yeah, well, Australia's premier driving award, basically, and, and started in, in 1959 and has been awarded, this will be the 59th time it's been awarded. And it's literally, the definition is Australia's champion driver. It says it on the trophy, literally the little gold star you get presented. Um, so it's always been for the peak open wheel category in Australian motor racing and was awarded continuously through uh, to 2014, um, was parked after that somewhat controversially at times, mm. but came back with... Um, and you would have been a three-time champion had it not been parked because um, you won a Formula 3 title. But uh, it's back with S5000, which fits the bill perfectly because for a lot of the history of the Gold Star and the Australian Drivers' Championship, it was F5000, it was Australian Formula 1, it was Formula Holden, big, hairy, open wheelers. Mm. So you've won two titles. Um, your family has a great history in it as well because you're one of only three in the history of the award where a father and a son have won gold star races and yep. the other two surnames are pretty impressive because they're brabham and jones so <laughs> as, as far as Good australian enough. open wheel racing goes you're an elite company there so you've won two of them your first one was one of the most extraordinary championships i've ever followed in 2007 but I mean, just reflect on the history of that award and being part of that honours list and, and aiming for a third title this weekend. Like you look at the list of people that are on that trophy and it's amazing. We're actually, I was actually looking at the trophy the other day and it's, it, it's just the best Australian drivers over the, you know, the last 50, 60 years. So it's absolutely incredible. And it means a lot to me. Like the 2007 championship was amazing. Like Formula 3 at that point was at its peak you know, overseas drivers, the Grand Prix, all that sort of stuff. But this one, you know, will mean just as much, if not more. Um, it's very competitive. Um, it's really good to see that, you know, we've got two guys who've, who've been racing over in Europe that have come home to do this. And, you know, it's um, a real feather in the cap of the category, the, the calibre of drivers. Even though the category's only got, you know, 11, 12 cars in it at the moment, it will get bigger. Um, but the level up the front, is really really high and it's just it's going to mean everything so you know i'm going out there and just you know going to give it my best and uh, go for the win 100 percent. so shebex for your records only yeah. five drivers have ever won it's uh, yeah it is five drivers have ever won more than two australian drivers championships and cop these names bib stillwell won four alfie yeah. costanzo who presented a trophy at Phillip Island earlier this year, won four. Mark Scaife, we all know him, won three. Paul Stokel, the great, great Tasmanian driver who was one of the fastest open wheel drivers this country's ever produced, I think, won three. And the great John McCormack won three as well. So it's a pretty elite club if you can get title number three over the line this weekend. Now, you know I love a stat, Tim. We do. (laughs) You're you're my stats man when I need a stat. I've got a couple <laughs> for you. So I don't want to burden you with any more pressure or anything for this weekend, but just, just have these and use them <laughs> as you see fit motivation, perhaps. So should you win the championship this weekend, it would be the longest between winning a first title and the most recent title in gold star history. Oh, wow. That's impressive. 2007, by the way, was a long time ago. It was. Uh, we were both <laughs> very young. Um, the other thing I'd just like to point out, there's some similarities here. The final race of the 2007 championship was at Oran Park 
just down the road from Sydney Motorsport Park, where we're racing this weekend. You entered that final race third in the points. I did. And you're third in the standings <laughs> right now. I just thought I'd point that out. No pressure. Thanks. It's That's just, a good omen. Just like a stat. That. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if history can repeat. Um, very quickly, before we let you go, and we thank you for your time as always, no um, some big news Wednesday morning Australian time about the future of FS5000 and the 2021-22 calendar. So there's a bit to unpick. One, the calendar runs over summer, which is great. And a lot of people have been calling about that for a long time. Um, Two, three enormous events. Back on the Australian Grand Prix program, Mount Panorama for the Bathurst International. And then, and I cannot wait for this, Gold Coast 500 in December. Big open wheelers back on the streets of Surfers Paradise three weeks in a row, bang, 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 that is going to be enormous. It's, just, it's going to be unbelievable. Like, it's actually going to be good to get the Grand Prix like we started there. Um, and the cars were going to be mega around there. But then to go to Bathurst, which is just going to be incredible. And then to top it off with the Gold Coast. Like, I mean, I drove the prototype of Gold Coast. Yeah. And it was quite a bit of fun. So it was a lot of wheel spins. <laughs> so it was uh, it was really, really good. So And, you know, we all remember the big open wheel as the Goldie. So um, it's going to be an incredible championship. Um, I know people are going to come out of the woodwork and want to do it. And uh, we'll be there, hopefully, um, with two cars. So, you know, bring it on. I love seeing these S5000s go through the chicanes. Oh, yeah. They're oh, going to be... Beach, beach, <laughs> be oh, my God. Work. Your arms are going to be sore. <laughs> Well, and, and Albert Park, mate, with, with all the changes they're making there, yeah. it's going to be hairy fast. We're going to be fast down that back straight, aren't we? Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how quick we go. But going into that chicane up the back straight, um, you know, they've straightened the first one, but going to the fast one uh, over the back, um, it's going to be pretty incredible, I reckon. And did you watch Braden Wilmington's um, demonstration laps at Bathurst at the six hour with interest? Yes, I was there. So I was having a chat with him. But, um, yeah, the car did it easy. I thought it would. Um, no major dramas. Uh, so it's going to be amazing seeing hopefully 15 to 20 of them going down Conrod for the first time. That'd be great. I'm actually surprised F1's allowing you to race at the Grand Prix because you're going to sound so much better than the F1s. <laughs> and we can run with no exhaust as well, so yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a win. It's a great, yeah. great win for the category. Really looking forward it to is. it. Mate, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. It's going to be a massive fight with yourself, uh, Tom Randall, who's in second, and Joey Mawson, who leads the standings. But um, Joey gained 55 points, I think, last time out. So big point swings are easy in this category, mm-hmm. the crazy condensed year we've had. So um, it's not over, mate. Good luck and uh, best best wishes to try and claim title number three. Cheers. Thanks, guys. All right, Crowley, it's been a great show, but the bloke who's just about to change all of that for us <laughs> is oh! hey, Mark Walker from theroastalk.com. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tony Shebecki, Richard Crowell. Uh, looking forward to another weekend where the 7 Plus app on my phone is going to drain all of my data. Good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'm lucky that I can, get, I can get 7 Plus on my TV, so I don't have to worry about it. Mm. Unlimited data on the home internet. Well, I've just got to pretend that I'm watching car racing. You know, you can slyly have the phone there while you're pretending to play with the kids and stuff. So the beauty is you're what, two-year-old now? Mm. Um, Loves car racing anyway. So it's a a pretty decent excuse to keep them entertained. I like it. Uh, It is going to be a massive weekend. And we should just touch on the fact that uh, those listening to On The Grid in Australia, and we thank you for listening, uh, can watch live and free on 7Mate over the course of the weekend, 10 to 2 
Eastern time on both days. So four hours a day, which is fantastic. Um, all that coverage is simulcast on the plus app as well. Um, but then there's extended coverage on plus from 9am to 4.30pm Australian Eastern time on Saturday and 10am to 4pm on Sunday. And enormous days of motor racing on TV, which is great. Um, for those of us listening across the Dutch in New Zealand, um, Chur, uh, you can watch us all on Sky, uh, Sky Sports 5, I think it is, but to check your local guides, but Sky Sports carries the full broadcast, which is great. Uh, and those of you internationally, g'day, uh, motorsport.tv has all the streaming coverage of, of all of it. So there are no excuses, maybe time zones in some regions, but hey, stay up. We do. Uh, Mark, one of the amazing things about that stat is that the Saturday coverage here in Australia on seven, mate, between nine and four still misses seven hours of racing. Yeah, well, it does. <laughs> That's a, a long day, wraps up at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. But this is the problem. It's an embarrassment of riches for the meeting because someone's going to make some decent wedge out of it having nine classes there. And the problem is you can't service nine national categories fairly and equitably and get everyone some nice TV time and streaming time and all the things that they want when they attend these sort of meetings. So it's good and it's bad. It's great if you're a punter and you want to be there and you want to tune in, but it sucks if you're one of those categories that aren't quite at the cutting edge of getting all the fringe benefits of being on that that bill and you know you'd sort of have to think about what you're doing in the world if you want to continue on with that in the future that's the, the problem that they're going to face that they just can't handle all those classes because some of them are getting the rough end of the pineapple we're lucky though aren't we we we, we do have a really cup full of riches at the moment don't we in motor racing we, we've got some great motor racing happening in australia right at this point in time oh yeah no doubt absolutely yeah. <laughs> you just look at the, the headline categories this weekend it's, it's sensational yeah. Yeah, it really is. And just to run through those, so TCR, 22 cars on the grid for TCR this weekend, which will be good fun as uh, no one beats Chas Mostert again. Um, S5000, we've already talked about at length, uh, 30 Trans Am cars. So wow. that's an absolutely sensational feel. They, they have been a breakout for mine this year. We, we sort of, we've been teased over the years with um, – the, the TA2 version of that category, I suppose, on the AMRS bill. We saw them at the Adelaide 500. We've seen them mixed in with other events and other classes, but to get a full field of those things, and I think Bathurst was a massive pass mark for Trans Am with the quality of racing that they put on. Really, really exciting stuff and not slow at all. 22-odd um, Porsches in Michelin Sprint Challenge, which is a great, great championship. Decent field of production cars, I'm told. Aussie racing cars are there as well. Uh, prototypes and radicals, believe it or not, running separately. Why they're not on the same grid, who knows? But anyway, that's the way the world works. Um, and yeah, terrific. So going to be a really cool race meeting. Looking forward to it. And then we've got supercars the week after. So uh, yeah, yes. good fun. Good fun. It is good fun. Uh, pretty happening in the world of motorsport at the moment, isn't there, boys? There's uh, a lot, there's a fair bit to talk about. Where are you starting, Shebex? I don't know where to start. That's the thing. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Well, solid drive from young Scotty over at St. Pete, ah, the yes, IndyCar race. And um, just missed out in a top 10, top rookie. Solid, solid stuff so far. And gets better every round, doesn't he? And um, once again, qualifying was was impressive. Just missed out on, on elevating through. And you know things are going well when you're angry at being 14th in that field. But 14th in that IndyCar field at St. Pete was half a second off pole. So the boy is right in the game over there. And, and now we get a really interesting 
ticking the box this weekend because he's at Texas and there's two 300k races at Texas Motor Speedway. So he's gone road course, street circuit, oval, bang, bang, bang. This, this will be a massive test for Scott this weekend. Um, but all things pointing to really positive signs for his rookie year in IndyCar. Uh, one a bit closer to home, and in the classic case of we record Tuesday night and news happens Wednesday morning, was last week the wildcard from Triple Eight with mm. Russell Engel and Brock Feeney in the super cheap uh, wildcard there. Uh, cool concept. Uh, interesting. Uh, Russell Ingalls come out and said that he feeds on the hate. So he's probably going to really enjoy anything that I say here. <laughs> so, um, it's probably been since 2007 when he was at Stone Brothers that he last had a, a real decent car that was a shot at winning. I mean, obviously the Walkinshaw cars that he had over the years were probably a chance, but it, it never really worked out there. So it's been what, 14 years since he, he came in with gun equipment that was really at the forefront of getting the job done. Um, his last time out of Bathurst was, what was it, 2017 in the 12 hour when he drove it in the fence at the Dipper. So you're only as good as your last race start out there. And um, that wasn't too crash hot. So that's going to be interesting to see how he goes stacked up against Brock Feeney. He's going to have a, a whole season Super 2 under his belt when he gets to the mountains. So it'll be interesting. The, the equipment's good enough. I mean, the last time, that Triple uh, Eight went in there with that wild card from 2013. Yeah. That thing could have won it yeah. uh, with two international drivers who aren't supposed to be able to adapt to these things. So Triple Eight don't mess around. They put good kid out there. Brock's obviously a gun driver. He's got recent 1,000 form on his side. So it's going to be one to watch. I, I, I have mixed thoughts on the whole super cheap losing the sponsorship deal, but because they were outbid in open market by a, a competitor who wanted to spend money and supercars would have been mental if they didn't take that. But I kind of like the needle and the fact that it's a super cheap backed car and they're still chucking money at the race. So the outcome of all this is that we've now got two major sponsors throwing money at Australian motor racing. Mm. So I, I quite like that. And from a marketing point of view, it's going to be really good fun to see how they leverage that at a race sponsored by their major rival Repco in the auto parts and aftermarket market in Australia, but that's, that's brilliant. That's what you want. You want these competing brands. You want monster and Red Bull teeing off when I don't think they do that enough in, in the energy drink war. So we may as well have, have these two automotive retailers doing the same. I'd like to see super cheap turn up with their massive shop, but put it just across the road from the front gate. <laughs> yeah. Just buy some space from the council in Harris park and, <laughs> and build it in the car park it was like a drive through super cheap auto. So you could drive through there and then walk through the gate and there's the Repco store. Because there was nothing better than going to the super cheap marquee at Bathurst. Oh, well, the, the, the bigger than any stat, store they owned. It's one of the Bathurst stats that I loved was the fact that for those like five days, that was the highest grossing super cheap store of the 300 odd in the nation, Yeah, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Well, first of all, I bought one of those play mats for every child that ever yes. came in yeah. anywhere near my life. So they got one of those Bathurst play mats that is just riddled with typos and bad things that they got <laughs> wrong. So they should have probably proofread that a bit better. The other thing too, they sold those $5 umbrellas. Mm. I, I purchased a lifetime supply and I'm nearly out. So uh, <laughs> it would have been great. No pressure, Repco. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Russell Ingalls championship, his first championship that he won, that was won without winning a race in the year. Is that correct? I think he won a race in 2005 in his championship year. Okay. No. It wasn't me. It wasn't. Who, who, wasn't many. Many. No. Mm. no. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, Garth Tander is the same, you know. Well, Rick, Rico, Rick Kelly. Oh, Rico, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's just playing the game. That's how the, the rules were in those days. Is that finishing as high as he can get the points? Yeah. Mm. You just had to roll up there. And if you finished third every weekend, you'd win a championship. So, and that that championship he won, that was while Ambrose and Murphy and all those guys were boxing on, taking points off each other. So Russ just kept his nose clean and he got the job done. Yeah. No, and, and you're dead right. If Now that Russ has got the drive, uh, Jim is if Ambrose is a commentator at Bathurst, and there's every chance he will be, since other guys will be doing other stuff, Garth and CL, it's going to be some... In, there's got to be a good chat between Russ and Ambrose at some point at Bathurst this year. Well, and more to the point, one G Murphy surely gets a gets a gig. Yeah. Has yes. to, like, that's yeah. Just, well, yeah, exactly true. That's just TV gold waiting to happen. I think we talked about it last week. But, um, yeah, the positive signs that uh, Nath Prendergast, the, the boss of Supercast TV, was quoted by uh, Paul Gover this week saying that, um, yep, we want him back. We've got to find the right role. But we definitely want Marcus back at some point in the future, which is great news, I think. Well, I don't understand thought. that. We want, we've want we got to find the right role. There is only one role for him. Well, yeah, but they, they've also got contracts signed with everybody else. I understand the, that. Yeah. All the superstars on that squad. So, um it's about finding a hole to, to fit uh, fit old Marcus in. But um, no, it should be good. Looking forward to uh, how that plays out. And we'll talk more supercars next week when they roll into the Bend Motorsport Park. Yeah, we will. There uh, was some disappointing news coming out of Tasmania this week with the target, wasn't it? We need to just cover off on that as well with, uh, unfortunately, three competitors dying. Uh, yeah, shocking stuff. It's tough, isn't it? Um you know, we play a lot in the, the circuit racing domain and it, it's so controlled. You have fences put in positions where they can't be hit at a bad angle at high speeds and all this sort of stuff. You you can sort of uh, mitigate a lot of the risk in circuit racing. Then you go rallying versus tarmac rallying. We've seen it over in Europe where they have to limit the speeds because these are proper big, bad, fast race cars on country roads. And when it goes wrong, it goes wrong horribly wrong sort of thing and with the the tarmac factor you're going so much quicker than you are on gravel um tough isn't it uh you know it was just that the time was up there's been a lot of problems with tarmac rallies over the years but they continue to be popular how do you yeah. legislate against it and, and there's and the thing is if cams turns around and go no we're not doing this anymore there are other insurers and promoting bodies that'll step up and and take on the risk so it, it's an interesting situation you know obviously the the squeaky wheel at the moment's uh, making a big noise down in tasmania which would be a shame for that event because it's it's such a classic but then you, you look at the event itself it's grown and morphed over the years it used to be more of a, a classic tour uh with with old school cars just going for a nice cruise around tasmania for a week i mean they always they've always had monster shunts down there but um just yeah, slightly week, slower speeds. Slightly yeah. slower speeds. And this, this week, uh, their time ran out. Yeah. Having said that, I mean, one of the cars that, that unfortunately someone lost their life was the classic RX-7. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, re- really challenging stuff. I, I, I feel, obviously, the families and everyone involved, it was terrible, but but also for the people working in the events. And I, I've mediated tarmac rally events and it's just you're on the edge every day until that last car is through the stage because you just don't know. Yeah. Um, it really is. I hope the event continues. It's one of the great, I mean, they, they self promote as one of the world's great tarmac rallies, but it really is. And, and Tasmania has such a motoring presence because of it. And it's enormous for their, their tourism side of things. And, 
um, it, it's pretty crucial from the, an event standpoint. It's enormous for, for Tassie. So it's very important, but like every time, and it seems a bit callous to be, to be putting it this way. And I certainly don't mean that, but every time, someone gets killed in our sport, the sport learns and evolves and safety changes and rules change. And the learnings that are taken out from that never, never seem to be wasted now more than ever. Um, so there's always an innovation, a change, something that will improve it for the better so that the sport can continue, but be safer along the way. So hopefully that's the takeout of this. Hopefully that there's some learnings for tarmac rallying that can that can be put into place to improve the safety so that the event can continue, but the risk mitigation, and you'll never get rid of risk in motor racing. And I think everyone who runs in it would say that you don't want to get risk in motor racing because it's part of it, isn't it? It's part of the attraction for sure. But um, it's mitigating that. And, and I hopefully there can be some learnings out of that. So, and it sounds cliche, but hopefully that these, these people haven't lost their lives in vain. Yeah. No, I don't exactly. think they will have. Hey, uh, Daniel Ricciardo coming out and saying that he would like to look at two Australian Grand Prix should Brazil not run, which you would have to say is a dollar ten favourite that it won't. The fact the fact that COVID has taken such a grip on that country. Do we have two Grand Prix at Albert Park, or do we look at a second venue for an Australian Grand Prix? And can that second venue be one an hour down the road from you, Richard? <laughs> Well, I think you, we all know where I stand on that, Shebex. That's why I asked you first. What, what Adelaide International? That's yeah, right. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> so it's our house. <laughs> and Malala, that's excellent. Well, Malala hosted the Australian Grand Prix once, so why not? Yeah. Oh, why that's not? Con- no. that's convenient for Dan, isn't it? Good on him. Uh, but I don't think Australia's got the coin to dolly up for two lots of sanction fees. No, Formula they... One will take it somewhere where they can get an extra sanction fee. Yeah, or they just park it and, and run 22 races instead of 23 or however many they're running this year. Yeah, it, it's a nice theory. And um, that's just Dan being a very good quote, as he always is. <laughs> Been a good he's Aussie. Serious, he is. He's, he's terrific. He's yeah. what a quote machine. Fantastic. But um, they, they'd be better off just running two races you know, run one race Saturday at Albert Park and run another Sunday. Like IndyCar do double headers. Right. Supercars have done it in their entire history, so why not? Well, F1's come out with their qualifying race format thing mm. at the moment. Interesting. Oh, the I, I, don't, yeah. I don't mind it. That seems decent to me. Have a half-hour race on Saturday to determine the grid. Have a few points on the line for that. Mm. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and down, down 500 stuff. Well, yeah, and they're, they're talking about uh, Silverstone and Monza as two of the tracks. So proper old school racetracks where you can overtake where they've produced pretty good races of late. So um, even despite the current car, which is great. So yeah, I, I, it's just innovate. It's about time they innovate with their formats because they've been doing the same thing for years and years and years. Um, so why not? Just no split qualifying. We figured that out. Oh God. We could, oh, God we could, yeah, no. Sorry. Why do I bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't recovered from that yet. I mentioned the wall. We have never received so much feedback on the race talk socials. Yeah. One consistent item unprompted. Usually we put a call out going, all right, folks, what did you like or dislike from that weekend? Get them in for the power rankings. No, unprompted split qualifying. It's got to go. Terrible. (laughs) We were nearly going to change our power rankings from hot and not to Hades. Yes. And then not. Well, (laughs) we do do the hall of fame at the end of each year. And and that's that's, it'll be a contender. It's guaranteed. Hey guys, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. As always, massive weekend. 
coming up at City Motorsport Park. Have a great one, Rich. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, just, just yeah, keep an eye on this this gold star finale. I, I'm. Oh, who's I, your tip to win that? Uh no, I'm. Well, I'm not going to say that, mate. I'm bloody commentator. You, you never but, say anything. Um, no, look, I mean, Joey Mawson's forty three points in front. It's going to be you hard have to, beat to have a shocker to yeah. not win it. Yeah. Um, but having said that, Tom Randall lost almost fifty points to Joey at the last round. So it can happen. It, it, it can happen. But um, look, Joey's in such good form at the moment. He, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. And it would be a great storyline if he can win it. Because at round one, he was just doing round one. And he didn't know he was doing round one until about three days before round one. Yeah. So, and he's really um, had a, a tough couple of years on the international scene. So if he can pop up and win this championship, that would be huge. But what I love as well, boys, is the fact that we're just, so much energy and effort's gone into the history of the gold star this year um, and celebrating what it actually means. And I think that's been lost for a long time. So um, I'm really excited to, for the 59th time crown Australia's champion driver and, and add a name, whoever it might be to one of the best lists of genius racing car drivers and constructors and teams in, uh, in our sports history. So that, that for me, Gets my uh, juices flowing. Well, can I just say something too? And I've been holding on to this all broadcast, basically. Tim Macro was on. You Mm. said to Tim Macro, 17 years ago is a long time between drinks for you. And the two of us were so much younger. Was that inferring that I wasn't? (laughs) No. Oh, that's all right. You're you're ageless, Shebex. Yeah, correct. That's what I was getting at. You're the voice of the G. It's, It's eternal. Yeah. No, but I'm looking forward to you getting up there in the rev limiter and, and having a good bash there on, on the weekend, Rich. It's always good. Yeah, thanks, mate. I, I will be. Um, I don't know what I'm going to say yet, but I uh, never do. Yeah, it should be a good, it. It'll be a good track for it, won't it? I yeah. mean, it's it's a proper European spec sort of circuit, and it's got some good runoff, and it's got all the things that you want to see in a circuit. So good runoff. Should, no, but have you, a full crack there. They can have a proper accident <laughs> there. But, you know, we saw good racing from the A1GPs back in the day, and yes. it should be a similar yeah. sort of show. Good on you, Mark. Thank you for your time as well, buddy. No, thank you. And thank you for your time also. We'll look forward to bringing you on the grid again next week. Catch you then. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.